You are listening to Verbal Manet, where words do remain. Welcome to another episode of the podcast series Right the Wrongs. Every Wednesday and Saturday, Right the Wrongs raises public awareness on pressing human rights issues and creates an incubator for activism. Today, we will talk about the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on journalism and its importance in the society. I'm Pietro. And I'm Brennan. First of all, to understand the changes brought about by COVID, we should understand the situation prior to it. What was the situation for journalists before the COVID crisis? It's hard to evaluate the situation of journalism as a whole, but we have some metrics that are highly positive, but also some structural challenges that change how we report and consume information that invariably change even journalism itself. From the more positive side, we have seen a general decline in the number of journalists killed, which happened mostly due to the reduction of their deaths in conflict areas and wars in Africa or the Middle East. But even if this is good, we've also seen a rise in the number of jailed journalists. Before the pandemic, actually, the number of jailed journalists was the highest in history, with more than 250 journalists jailed worldwide. Alright, I understand the situation for journalists. What about the situation of journalism? What was the... You want me to read it again? Yeah. Okay. Well, the way we consume and produce information is undergoing profound changes. Uh, the role of traditional media is slowly declining, where younger generations read fewer newspapers, watch less news, and generally source more of their information from social media and the web. So this has come in confluence with certain information, a certain kind of information consumerism, where the information presented is reduced and is made more instantaneous and quick to read. Hmm. So this is like a, a new trend. So at this point, explain us if and why do we even need such journalism? Well, actually, now more than ever, we need this form of journalism because we're simply in the midst of a global crisis and people simply need reliable and trustworthy information. We have to understand the situation, what to expect, to know what restrictions we put in place, and to know what one exactly is allowed to do. This can and especially should also happen through media campaigns of those organizations responsible for informing the public. But traditional media is also a great, a great platform of delivering these kind of information from many more countries. Unfortunately, this also comes in a time of a kind of crisis of trust. Less and less people in the Western world, but to some extent also globally report lower levels of trust in all kinds of institutions from media, politicians and the church to governments as a whole. Let's understand this trend a bit better. You have mentioned the declining interest in the traditional media. Does this also imply declining interest overall or it might actually be on the same levels, but substituted by the non-traditional media that you have mentioned? Unfortunately, no. The interest is declining overall, while we see the rise of non-traditional media, such as YouTube journalism, and the spread of news through social media. So, what's the impact of this change in journalism? Isn't it able to adapt? Well, you're right. Much, uh, many kinds of media are being transformed. The models have changed, as well as the kind of content which they produce. For example, we've seen a shift to low-cost subscription-based models of some major newspapers, which are more often in digital form, so it's more widespread, as well as cheaper. And also, media companies are relying more heavily on ad revenues. But these changes also affect the quality of the final product, because if you have to trim your article so that they can be read in a few minutes while commuting or, for example, during a break, 
you lose a lot of the important context behind the situation and it's much less possible to produce in-depth analyses of current events and so we have a perhaps a much more... Let's continue, let's continue to analyze those changes. I can imagine that these models were being disrupted by the pandemic. I have the same question. How did they adapt to the COVID-19 crisis? Well, the disruption caused by COVID was mainly economic. I have mentioned the shift to subscription and ad revenue-based models. Both of these sources of financing have taken major blows. It's because people have less resources and also many companies were hit hard. So they were not able or willing to have such advertising when many of the advertised companies might not even be able to reopen. But this time, journalism and media in general fared much worse. It was an unforeseen event, and they could only react by cost-cutting and rises in subscription prices or also combination of the two. For instance, the Washington Daily, they cut down, to, they cut down printing twice a week, and the New York Times let off 68 employees. Both had adverse effects either on the quality of the news or their availability. If you cut costs, fire people, freeze the bonuses and try to cut as much as possible, you will end up with fewer people and less motivated people and therefore an even lower quality of news. If you instead let the price of subscription rise, you will inevitably make it less accessible, especially when many families are hit hard and in financial difficulties. <coughs> and how has the impact lies mainly in the measures that were enacted to fight the pandemic? because of health reasons, it's imperative to reduce our mobility. That, however, means it's also simultaneously harder for journalists to report stories from different regions and parts of the world. However, some journalists and media workers have also died because of COVID, and though it wasn't by abuse of power or by deliberate attack, their knowledge and expertise were also unfortunately lost. The pandemic has also affected the kind of information we consume. If you look at the headlines as well as most of the stories, they are inevitably connected to the pandemic. It might not seem like such a bad time, a bad thing in a time like this, and indeed it isn't. But this also means that we have less time and space to focus on different stories. There's a reason why there's less public criticism and pressure if some political changes are enacted during the situation. And the same applies if journalists are being killed, jailed or harassed. Less cases are being reported by mainstream media because we are more preoccupied with information Even before the pandemic. I understand. Another concern is that there were cases of killed journalists in developed countries even before the pandemic. Should we worry that it would become more prevalent in the future? Well, indeed, as you say, there are prominent examples even in some European countries. For example, uh, Lyra Mackey in Northern Ireland, uh, Jamal Khashoggi in the Saudi consulate, uh, Jean Kushak in Slovakia, and Daphne Caruana Galizia in Malta, as well as others. In 2020, 50 journalists were murdered worldwide. And these are very worrying trends, and we are not accustomed to seeing such acts in these countries. Fierce reactions, refer, fierce reactions often followed. In some cases, the protection of journalists was strengthened because of it. So it's hard to gauge the future situation, but it might not become that much worse. For instance, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi is at the forefront of the news due to the release of the CIA reports on his death, as per the demands of Joe Biden, for example. Now, from these journalists that you have mentioned, some were killed by non-state actors, some with the knowledge of the state. After all, despite COVID, it is a drastic measure to opt for killing or jailing someone. What are some other measures that are being used by the state to censor people? As I mentioned before, generally the number of journalists killed worldwide is decreasing, and now we're talking about double-digit numbers of those who are killed. So yeah, generally it is an extreme measure. 
Even now, the government wishing to silence the media do so through regulation and laws which weaken the position of journalists. In many countries, fake news laws are being adopted, but instead abused to fight against media which criticizes the government. This is also easier to enact in a state of emergency. In a properly functioning society, all of these changes would be thoroughly debated. Therefore, the first step to stop such abuses is not letting and no way. Thank you, Brennan, for this insightful conversation. Thank you, Petro. You can find in the description a list of some of the journalists that were killed. Also, if you want to deepen the discussion, you can listen to the episode on censorship we released where we interview Taha Siddiqui. Now this is everything. The episode was written by Zineb and Jan and edited by Sweden. Thank you very much for listening and see you on next week.